Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. It is Friday, February 17th at TigerIllustrated.com. Right now, hot off the presses, Paul Strelo's late week recruiting insider. Chock full of insight and intel. going to be really interesting to see where the offensive lineman from Greenville, Blake Franks, ends up. This guy's wanted to go to Clemson for a long time, so if, if he ends up not going to Clemson, and, and particularly down the road in, in, in Columbia, South Carolina, going to be a pretty big gut punch uh, for the Clemson football program. But Paul Strelo will keep us posted on that moving forward at TigerIllustrated.com. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse and neglect, car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parmsmith and Archenhold, call 864-990-4581 or online at parmlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial, their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Okay, the folks at Clemson University and schools everywhere really spend a great deal of time and money trying to create an attractive and fun game day experience, football, baseball, all the sports. But sometimes the best and most magnetic parts of certain game day experiences can't be manufactured or created. Sometimes the most special elements of, of, of these things happen organically uh, over time. And the story and presence of the cheap seats certainly fits into that category. They are celebrating their 20th anniversary of hanging out on top of an old school bus, drinking beer, talking smack to opposing outfielders, and mainly just loving Clemson baseball in its purest form. A lot of fun here, digging into the history of the cheap seats. Enjoy. Here we go. Okay, joined by Garrett Edens, the president of the cheap seats. Am I getting your uh, your titles correct there, sir? That is correct. Yes, uh, this year's uh, current president of Cheap Seat. Cheap Seats, plural. Yep, Cheap Seats, plural. It's actually, and now it's officially Cheap Seats Incorporated. Oh, big time. So yeah. w- w- when did that happen? Uh, well, uh, legitimately it happened many, many years ago, um, but we thought we had not filed the paperwork correctly, and then when uh, – about a handful of, I don't know, four years ago, we started uh, talking, saying, hey, 
you know, we're all adults now. It's time to get a little more serious and make sure everybody's uh, rear end is covered. Um, so we uh, started looking into more insurance and uh, the incorporation and all that. And we're like, hey, we're actually good here. Um, so it happened many years ago, but I couldn't tell you exactly when. And the 20th anniversary, that is just crazy to think about. I guess a lot of us feel really old by virtue of that uh, statistic. Yeah, uh, it, it blows my mind how fast it is truly gone, you know, kind of preparing for this. Uh, I'm reading over everybody's kind of different stories, and it just reminds me of uh, uh, how much fun we have had over the years, and, and it's just uh, how has it flown by so fast uh, because, you know, I was there day one. All right. I was – I came across an article – written in May of 2009 by the late Greg Wallace of the Anderson Independent. He was actually good friends uh, of of mine and a bunch of other sports writers. He went and hung out with you guys. And I kind of feel like I want to, I need to read the entire article aloud in part uh, somewhat as a tribute to him, but also to kind of set the stage for listeners um, about what y'all are all about, if that's cool with you. I think that's great. Uh, I remember that night well. I remember Greg, and uh, it, it really was a pretty awesome article. Um, yeah, and also we can uh, we can stop and laugh and, and chuckle and, and have little interludes through the article if you like. I'm sure there will be instances that might jog your memory, and so um, I don't want this to be a total monologue from me. Uh, we, we can just sort of comment as we go, if that's cool. Yeah. Okay. It is a perfect. Uh, the 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 uh, headline is Clemson fans love life in the cheap seats, and it starts. It is a perfect day. I'm sorry. It is a perfect early May Saturday night in the right field corner of Doug Kingsmore Stadium. A late afternoon rain has blown through, leaving temperatures in the low 70s and no humidity as the sun falls below the horizon. The odors of cooking crawfish and cheeseburgers waft from the Cajun Cafe suites behind the outfield fence, and if you're a college baseball fan, this is a little slice of heaven. If you're, <laughs> This is just great. And if you're A.J. Casario? Casario. Casario. Yep. And if you're A.J. Casario, however, it's more like a chunk of hell. <laughs> and that is accurate. Casario has done nothing to deserve this. Maryland's starting right fielder is one of the Terrapins' leading hitters. A 27th-round draft pick. Is he still around, by the way? You know, um, I, I can't answer that. I wanted to look it, look it up, um, but uh, I, I can't answer that. Yeah, I'm not a baseball guy, so I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't know. Well, you know, I'm kind of once they get paid, I kind of uh, <laughs> don't buy much. So, so I guess you're not a college football fan anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's shifting. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, getting back to it. A 27th round draft pick of the Los Angeles Dodgers out of Overbrook High School in Pine Hills, New Jersey. Trouble is, Maryland is facing Clemson tonight. And that makes Anthony James Casario public enemy number one of the chief seats. Hey, Anthony, who designed your uniforms? MC Hammer? And I'm just, the imagery of, it had to have been his pants, right? Real puffy yeah. pants. Yeah, he, he was the, um, <laughs> the shoeless Joe Jackson. Uh, uh, yeah. 
Hey, Anthony, you should have gone to the Gulf Coast League when you had the chance. Should have taken that $250 signing bonus. <laughs> hey, Anthony. Go ahead. I remember that vividly. Uh, he even he even chuckled pretty good at that one. <laughs> Anthony, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, Anthony, at least you can still go back to Jersey and pump gas. They still do that there. <laughs> Welcome to one of the most unique fan groups in the ACC and perhaps college baseball. From humble beginnings, a 1979 international 36-passenger school bus purchased six years ago, six years ago meaning 2003, from Lawrence Academy for $450, the 40-member cheap seats group has become Doug Kingsmore's most raucous environment, one which must be experienced to to be believed, and I agree with that. I've only been here two years, said Orlando, Florida native Bill Freeman. The late Bill Freeman, rest in peace. Unfortunately, man, two two folks who have two beloved folks who've passed away since. Uh, yeah. Whose son Mike is Clemson's starting second baseman. But this is one of my favorite places in the world. End quote. Gathering behind Doug Kingsmore's outfield fence to watch a game is hardly a new tradition. Cheap Seats member and local lawyer Harry Botterford, known to all as Punk remembers coming 20 years ago with his dog, food, and a six-pack of beer to enjoy the atmosphere. And I know punk casually. I'm just, just the imagery of that is making me laugh. <laughs> I think a lot of people know punk. Uh, <laughs> um, he's never represented me, uh, FYI, but just, uh, get, just making <laughs> that clear. That's a good start. Um, earlier this decade, the group, which eventually became the Cheap Seats, was among a large number of Clemson students who watched games and partied beyond the fence on cobbled-together scaffolding. Clemson cracked down on that, Cheap Seats Secretary Garrett Eden said. Man, you've moved up in the world. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Back to the quote. Go ahead. I said it's been a long 20 years. Yeah. They built the suites in right field, but they knew we were here to watch baseball, so they let us stay. I'd love to hear more about Just a touch on that. Uh, you know, the initial times, <clears throat> I don't know if you you ever saw it, but, I mean, monster oak trees, uh, you know, 150, 200-year-old oak trees out there that just towered over everything. Uh, you know, the, the bullpen was not there at the time. Um, the chain-link fence was probably 20 foot high, and I believe there was two sections of them. Um, and, you know, we just had trucks backed up to the fence or, you know, some guys had couches sitting right up against the fence that they set up on, you know, the Monday prior. Um, but I remember, you know, I was always on the front of the fence because it was always about baseball for uh, 10% of the crowd who was up against the fence. And then at this point, you would turn around and you would see 100 yards deep just heads I mean, just a sea of people, and all it was was a party. And, I mean, I remember multiple nights that there were many kegs on the back of trucks at this point. And the time frame there? That would have been uh, 2000 to kind of 2002. I think it was after the South Carolina game, I remember vividly, uh, it that was really the night I was talking about when I turned around and looked, and I was like, oh, my God. Um, it, it, it was just too much. And that's when Clemson started cracking down on that. 
Um, and they really allowed, you know, they allowed us to stay on the fence and they allowed multiple groups to stay on the fence. And there was, you know, different, uh, fraternities. Uh, I had a group with SAE, we had the sailing club group and then, you know, some of the older local groups. And that was kind of our three main groups that ended up later on coming together and forming, you know, the, the core of cheap seats, what it is now. Um, but you know, you had, AGR guys would have their set up all the way along. I mean, this this thing used to go out into left field. Yeah. Okay, and then back to the article. In 2003, several members pulled together and bought the bus, which Eden's Quips burned more oil than gas on its trip to Clemson. Inside the bus, most of the seats have been torn out, replaced by an orange Davenport that Clemson discarded during Memorial Stadium's last remodeling, and a comfy beige couch. Now, this is 14 years ago. Does that remain the same inside? I mean, do people hang out in there still, or is it? (laughs) Um, You know, I was in there just a couple weeks ago. Uh, We were working on getting the horn back in shape, and I was looking at things. And uh, no, it's, it's not as tidy as it used to be, but I can tell you this. That beige couch is still right there, ready to go. <laughs> How about things like cockroaches, rats, mice? Every one of them that has visited and, and stayed <laughs> is still there. <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, my wife will not go in the bus any, anymore. Uh, she just stays all over the top of it. How often do people go inside the bus? Uh, we will utilize it on, on some heavy rain delays quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it's just, we need to get in there with a shot back, but unfortunately we've had some vandalism too over the years and some broken windows that we have to replace, but we just never seem to get that shot back out there to clean it up the inside. All right, back to the, back to the story. Uh, a stereo system gives the bus music or audio from the Clemson game broadcast, and atop the bus, a carefully constructed platform system gives room for 40 to sit or stand and enjoy the game, with a large grill, couches, and plenty of space for snacks and drink coolers. There are two decks with, a, with stairs leading from the ground to the first deck and another set connecting the decks. And before you ask, yes, it's completely fire safe and up to code. That was a lesson learned the hard way on opening day 2007. When members arrived two hours before the game, they found a sign tacked to the bus from Pickens County's new fire marshal, notifying them that they couldn't board because they violated fire code. It was a kick in the gut, Eden said. A straight kick in the gut. All right, present day, what do you remember from that uh, from that day in 07? Well, let me tell you, um, at that point, I was... Still, I, I had already graduated in 05, but I was living in, um, actually, that date may be off because I believe this may have been 06 season. Um, I was living in Raleigh, and so I I was on the way down. Uh, usually, we we get there quite early uh, on opening day just to you know tie up some loose ends, uh, get the flags ready, and... Uh, I want to say I was maybe the second there and I had gotten a phone call just as I was pulling into Clemson telling me, Hey, this is what we got. What's going on? And I'm like, okay. Um, 
uh, I, you know, never happened before. Um, so I said, well, we got we got to call our legal representative, uh, which was Harry Enos Bodiford, also known as <laughs> Punk. Um, and so Punk jumped right on it. And uh, we, you know, even even the uh, the baseball teams like what is going on or the I forget you know who would who it was at the time that was kind of Brad Owens's uh, position. I know John Saketa was very involved with us out there too. Um, so uh, I know we were talking with him and anyhow they got us, they got the fire marshal out there and we're like hey we're getting on this bus now you tell us what we need to do and. Um, First, it, first, it was not going well at all. Um, he was like, "Absolutely not!" Da da da. Um, and uh, so, I, I was kind of working in construction at the time, and you know, I had a you know decent knowledge. I was still a you know freshman in in the world there, um, and a couple others did too. We we're like, "Wait a minute, no, this is you know we can do this, this, and this, and you know it should suffice." And uh, so we let the legal representative uh, kind of hash that out. And uh, then we got some instructions on, okay, if you do this, we'll give you a temporary, uh, you know, a temporary permit to occupy until you can get it for, you know, other stuff done. So fortunately, I had some construction materials already in the back of the truck. And then somebody made a run to go get some additional lumber because really we had already um, tried to make a railing and all because we didn't want to, um, Dave Topham said, we didn't want to create a false sense of security. Um, him and Frank Murphy were the ones really working on that. So they, they never wanted to create a railing because they didn't know how well they could secure it. And if somebody goes and leans on it, you know, it, it's better to kind of fall straight than off at an angle. And uh, so the railing was already there, but it definitely was not adequate. And I think that may have been a red flag when they when he had driven around. But we weren't the only ones. He shut down everybody out there that day. Um, so anyhow, we, we we get to work, and I uh, we put up the hog wire to close up the uh, the railing and and add some lumber here and there and get some different supports, and it. it it was, I think, about the sixth inning, fifth or sixth inning, uh, with him standing right there. He finally said, you're approved to, to board the vessel. And uh, and we were right back in it. You said they set everybody else down. What, what did they do to get back into the... Uh, I, I, they pretty much quit and went home. Uh, worked on another day. I believe there may have been one other that got to occupy... Uh, but uh, everybody else, no, they were they were empty. Now, when you say they, you talking about the Cajun Cafe? No, no, this was this was the other uh, groups of college kids. Okay. Yeah, that would have different things. I mean, with they, you know, this was a big deal. They had multiple scaffoldings for different groups that was set up along. Now, nothing was as big as ours, but you know, they would they would go all the way along the outfield up to the center field wall, and then they'd pick up on the other side. And, uh, I mean, there was a time where there was a couple crazy nights that, you know, that, that entire outfield was, you know, looked like it was 12 rows deep when we never even had stands yeah. at that point. If we so, can, that, 
also that is also kind of what led to the demise of all the other groups um because something i forget what the situation was on the field um but the rest of those idiots started throwing things on the field oh wow that's what shut them down so it just got too big and too intoxicated exactly um if we can take a short departure from the article you mentioned you lived in raleigh you did construction so you had a pretty busy job and yet you're coming down for every every weekend at that that time it was every weekend absolutely we didn't miss it well how did you do that you take you have to take off early on friday of course well yeah fortunately um you know i had a good job that uh you know, if I work 10, 12-hour days, Monday through Thursday, they were like, do it, go ahead. Uh, as long as I had everything in order, they didn't mind. Um, and I never gave them a reason to argue with me. So uh, that that's how I did it. You know, I would leave uh, basically on Thursday nights um, and hit the road. And how, how long did you did you live in Raleigh? Uh, just two years. Two years, um, I ended up uh, getting married um, and moved back to the upstate, started my own company, um, and that's where we've been ever since. What about the rest of the inhabitants of the cheap seats? Most uh, from the upstate live around here? You have others who live uh, good well, ways? Well, yeah. Uh, Brian Griffiths uh, is up. Um, he's actually a master chief uh, in the uh, Coast Guard. Um he he's he's kind of been scattered around. I think he's still in Virginia now. Um, and Dave Topham, uh, he's down in the Charleston area. Frank uh, Frank Murphy's in the Columbia area. Um, there's a, a handful of others. We've actually uh, we've lost one uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and let's see, Mark Rivera, who's led it for the longest. Uh, time um he's still he's in the clemson area uh so for the most part when it comes frank frank murphy drives up all the time from columbia um so he's probably the one you know with the furthest drive that that makes it up regularly but everybody else you know everybody's off kind of living their lives you know there was a couple years where I, i i i stepped away a handful of years because I was raising raising my kids, um, you know, and uh, there, there's other folks. Boykin Bell, you know, had to do the same thing, but he's in the Greenville area. But he he went back more than I did um, during that period. But uh, now we all have kind of come back, and uh, we're we're very involved. When you say very involved, obviously it the time is more than just the game itself talk about i guess what what are the activities and maybe responsibilities as well over the course of a normal weekend before a game after a game all that stuff well back in the old days yeah we would uh you know the bus would set up at the beginning of the season which was quite a process you know we'd have 20 30 people out there with five people doing work but uh we'd have to set it all up get the scaffolding set and once they were there they were there for the season you know we'd jack the bus up on man i bet it was 24 to 30 inch blocks and uh and 
I mean, it was well raised off the ground to, to get level with the fence and how we needed to set it up. So there's quite a bit of work that had to happen uh, at the beginning of the year. But once all that's set up, you know, the day-to-day stuff, uh, getting the flags up, you know, there'd be one person that takes that duty. Um, I, I handled mainly the tickets, and so that was a lot of work just for the you know, right at the beginning of the season. And once you got them all out, you didn't really have to worry about it. Um, Mark Rivera, you know, basically led us for for many many years, and and he was the one making sure that you know we got the bus cleaned up, painted during the off season. You know, we would the bus would go different places during the uh, off season too. I could touch on that later, but uh, there was, there, there's quite a bit of stuff to do. Um, and then, uh, you know, once you're in the game, um, I was, I was, my, I felt my job was dedicated on to getting into the head of the center fielder and right fielder. <laughs> and, so I did homework. I mean, I was well prepared. Sometimes we'd have laptops out there. I think I was right at the beginning of we'd get internet. And so we're doing research on, you know, whatever we can get off of this guy. What's the sister's name? We we have where she went to dance school and, you know, different friends, his ex-girlfriend. And we by the end of it, we'd have her phone number and she'd be out there giving us information just to, just to get in their heads and uh, just shake them, shake them up like – they're not thinking about the game. So that, that was kind of a, and that's still one of my, my fun things to do. Um, but, you know, Patrick Martin is one of the big hecklers. He's probably one of the loudest out there. And, uh, and then Andy, Andy Patrick, uh, he's our chief bugler. You'll hear, hear the bugle going off, uh, from time to time out there. Um, and then, you know, somebody's got to wave that massive flag on the cane pole, and everybody kind of takes turns on that because that wears you out, uh, especially back in the day of Michael Johnson, Khalil Green. Uh, you know, we, we'd have some workouts. And then somebody would have to man the horn. Yeah. So that was one of the jobs during the game. Um, but nowadays, you know, it's, uh, it's a little bit easier. Um, we have to do a little bit of work getting all the tickets out and uh, – and, we work to make sure that we get as many people in the seats that we can. Um, so, you know, you have your main ticket holders, but we require them, hey, if you're not going to be there, you get somebody, do your best to get somebody in that seat or let us get the tickets and we'll get somebody in the seat. So, you know, that's where we're working. It doesn't matter if, you know, if it's snowing, uh, if it's beautiful outside, we want to have as many people up there uh showing support for our ball team and uh, making sure uh, the right fielder knows that uh, it's going to be a hell of a weekend for them. So as part of the stadium renovation in 2009, Clemson decided to incorporate the bus into the stadium permanently. What went into that in in getting them to uh, sort of recognize your credibility and the appeal of, of, of making that a fixture uh, from your recollection? Well, um, I think it goes back to the many things that happened over the years and how we always continue to stay because we were all about baseball first. Um, we made sure we, were, we weren't caught up in any shenanigans that ha- happened out there. Um, excuse me, got some sirens coming That's by. Okay. Um, 
so we made sure that we were not caught up in the trouble and we were always supporting the team whatever we did we kept it clean and over the years i mean no matter what we would get moved for some reason or another but they wanted to make sure we were there and so we get moved to left center then we got moved to center field and then back to right field after you know 10 years of not being in right field so when uh i think we were out in uh we were in right center and we had all heard the heard the plans of you know building the they i think they had already built the um the batting cages and we had heard the plans of the big seats they may have i can't remember exactly what was there and what wasn't but uh they built the scaffolding first and then they uh they built the scaffolding for cajun cafe and we were still out there in right center um and then they that's when they said hey we're adding stands we're gonna move you back to right field okay well we set up next to just like we always did with the scaffoldings and the uh, railings on the bus. and uh, But we were right next to the uh, Cajun Cafe scaffolding. And it was about an, a year or so, I think we were set up like that. But they had, they had at that point, they had said, hey, we're talking about wanting to permanently incorporate this thing, whether we buy the bus or um, we give it to, you know, there, there's Mark Rivera was very instrumental uh, as president uh, during that time. Uh, he really carried us through on that. Um, I, I was just kind of on the board, so to say, and uh, helping helping with what we thought on design stuff, what we wanted to do. Um, but that's they came they came to us and said, "Hey, we want to we want to take over cheap seats," and that's initially how it kind of got talked about. Um, they there was no exchange of money or purchase or anything of that kind. Uh, but they did say, Hey, we're going to spend 40, $50,000, uh, and build this, uh, platform for you. And we want to put the bus right there with it. And, uh, so that's when, you know, Mark started with the meetings there and, uh, got everybody in agreement. And, and there you go. Uh, they designed it, built it and, and here we are now. And when was this? Whew. You know, we have a little too much fun out there, so sometimes uh, the years kind of blend together. <laughs> um, I would say that's 2011-ish. Okay. 2012, something like that. Okay. And the t- Go ahead. Kyle, Par- Kyle Parker era, right there at the end of the Kyle Parker era. Yeah, that would have been 10 was his final football season. So, and then he played. That would have been, that's 11. 11. That'd be 11. Yeah. And like, you, you mentioned Mike Freeman's dad, you know, you know, father of a player ends up ingratiating himself with that. Like what, how does that happen? Like he just shows up one day and, and, and somebody know him and, and then it just, well, just sort of catches on. Yeah, that's kind of how uh, how it happens. It, he wasn't the only one. Uh, Will Lamb's dad, Phil Lamb. Um, oh, uh, there was another dad, uh, Sanders. Oh, I'm sorry. His first name. Uh, Matt Sanders? Matt Sanders' dad, yes. 
Matt Sanders' dad was there uh, all at the same time with, with Lamb and Freeman. And I want to say there was one other. I can't uh, – he may not have been there as much. But, um, yeah, I, you know, Bill Freeman, his personality is just bigger than life. So me and him are going to get to get along great. And, you know, we saw him coming a mile away. He's like, I got to get up there. And like, <laughs> hey, come on. And so he introduced himself. And uh, it, we, we, we all became great friends instantly. And I think, you know, the first year we were just like, hey, just come up whenever you want. And then the next year he's like, hey, I got a buddy that needs to, wants to come up here. And I think that's how Phil Lamb may have gotten up there. They, that may be incorrect. But, um, and then Mr. Sanders was up there. And that was actually, uh, we were still out in center field uh, because there's some pictures. I know there's some pictures um, when, uh, that I saw recently after Mr. Freeman passed. Um of them sitting in lounge chairs, him and uh, Matt Sanders' dad sitting in lounge chairs on top of the on top of the cheap seats with the sunset. It was just gorgeous behind them. Um, but yeah, they life of the party. Uh, we had a great time with that group of parents, and then there's been others too um, over the years, and some of the players, even you know past players, uh, and that was kind of when I was off raising kids, so I missed miss some of that uh, time. But I do remember, I think, uh, after we beat FSU to make, I think we won the ACC and we locked up regionals. Uh, the guys had crashed the bus out there. Uh, I can't remember if it was center field or right field. But um, it, Freeman's up there, Lamb's up there. We're, we're just having a ball. And next thing you know, uh, says hey we're going to the sailing club and we're having a you know it was a, uh, the after party was out there and we had the entire baseball team out there uh on the lake having a blast after that game and uh that was bill freeman setting all that up um and i remember yeah kyle parker was there um so i guess that would have been 2011 mm-hmm you know, that might have been 10 because that's Clemson's last – 10 is the last super. Yeah, that's what it was. Lost to UConn the next year in the regionals, I believe. Well, this would have been before regionals. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right, I'm going to go back to the article, uh, going back to the getting it up to code and all that. Uh, Punt Bodiford made some calls and found out what meeting code entailed, it's panic, Bodiford said. This is baseball. We were running around like chickens with our heads cut off. By the seventh inning, thanks to some hard work and hog wire, <laughs> they were back on the bus with a temporary building permit in hand. The bus, everyone now admits, is much safer for the trouble. This year is the group's first season back in its original right field home. Okay, so that that's, uh, that 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 jobs. Wait. Well, that this is 09, so I guess 09 is when is when uh, y'all were permanently back, unless they moved y'all back across for a time. Yeah, yeah we got moved a couple times. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, so 09 was the first. Uh, uh, Might have been temporary. Close enough to get food from the Cajun Cafe and smell the sulfur from the rally smoke its members let fly from time to time. 
Cheap Seats members pay $150 for season tickets plus an extra $25 for dues related to upkeep. Okay, is that has that changed? Yes. Yeah, slightly. Uh, yeah, I like to joke it's the not-so-cheap seats these days. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's probably, it's probably, uh, it's more than doubled. Okay. Uh, and, and, but we still pay dues, sure, sure enough, because uh, we, we do have expenses of upkeep and some different things like that. They also sell T-shirts and can huggers, and any money left over from dues and sales will be donated to a charity of their choice. It is a fairly exclusive club, though. Clemson officials allow only 40 passes to be sold, and 20 are spoken for before the season starts, with six, quote, guest passes, end quote, held back for friends, dates, and spouses. So who does Clemson handle the actual ticketing? Like, how, how does that – how do you all sort of juggle that between Clemson University um, – they, they, send, they send us the 40 tickets, and – then we take care of that. Um, so Patrick Martin is handling that this year. Um, so basically I get the tickets in all at once and then I ship them all to Patrick and then he goes one by one to uh, each ticket holder and gets them handed out. Is there still like a waiting list or? Uh, yes, actually, yes. It's, uh, we, we have had some uh, changing here recently uh so it's gotten a little bit smaller um but yeah it's kind of like first come first serve on the on the waiting list uh you know sometimes people move away and and realize hey let me let me get these tickets to somebody who's actually going to use them um so that's kind of how it uh happens or you know unfortunately we we've lost members uh who've had tickets and you know we we find somebody to scoop them up pretty quick uh but we always want folks who are dedicated to being there um and and love clemson baseball yeah and and in general clemson baseball let's just be honest hasn't been as 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 hot of a ticket over the last decade plus i'm curious you know as as you you guys are are rising in in stature uh from from 03 to 11-ish, you know, there's all sorts of regular buzz about Clemson baseball. There's all sorts of appearances in Super Regionals, hosting Super Regionals. There's regular trips to Omaha. What is, how do you reconcile the last decade plus of mostly struggles, and how do you think that sort of has impacted the, 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 the ritual so to speak. I mean, I, I know y'all are y'all are all hardcore baseball guys, and 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 you have it in your blood. But I'm just curious what that's been like to sort of suffer through uh, struggles that are really kind of shocking. It's it's shocking to just say uh, to acknowledge the statistic that hey, they haven't hosted a super regional since 2010. That is just mind blowing. Yes, um, it, it, it's difficult. It's definitely sitting on our shoulders, um, and it is a topic of conversation quite often. Um, you know, with this group, there is nothing. Uh, there, there's never a time that there's that we're silent. Um, so we, 
we we will heckle our own. We will find uh, find ways to be entertained out there while watching baseball. And uh, you know it's been rough, uh, but I know I can hear Patrick Martin right now. I mean, some of those losses when we were right there, it, it was almost just like comical on how some of it would go down and just very very painful. Uh, but you know we laugh about it. You know that's life. And uh, it truly uh, hasn't impacted, you know, our base at all when it comes to that. Um, if these guys, you know, really, if if our any of our members kind of think that way, you know, we they're not going to be at the bus long anyhow. Um, we're in it because we love baseball, win or lose, and. Uh, yeah, just being at the Diamond is therapy in itself. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to UptownRealtySC.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-35. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Dot com. So later in Jack Leggett's tenure, the guy who I think y'all are quoted as saying he's your he was your patron saint in, in, in this article, uh, or maybe it was another article that I read, um, he gets let go. I mean, I know that among the within the Clemson fan base, there's lots of uh, disagreement. You know, you have your Jack people and you have your people who who say even now that it was time to go in a different direction back in, uh, I think it was 2015. Um, I'm guessing that the group of folks in the cheap seats is not all in lockstep about one coach or how things were handled with, with Jack. How would you describe sort of the evolution of, of opinions and thought about what Clemson did in parting with with him and then of course more recently um getting rid of his replacement and then and then bringing in a a, a legate disciple not only a legate disciple but Jack himself as he is back with the program in a, I guess an administrative uh supports uh, capacity um well I'm not going to I'm not going to say that there's there was never chatter saying hey we got to make a change 
um, or hey, things are getting maybe maybe you're just getting a little dated. Um, but for the most part, I mean, everybody still is, was a huge Jack fan, no matter what. Going through all that, um, you know, of course we're we're uh, unpaid coaches and umpires sitting out there uh, at the field, and uh, so we're going to give them hard times no matter what. Um, but we all, I think, or most of us would agree that we wish it had been handled differently at that time um, rather than just completely cut loose. Um, and really, the way, it, the way it's come around this last year, uh, I can remember it being, even being mentioned at that time you know, doing something like that's being done this year. Uh, so we're, we're really excited to have Jack back. We were, uh, we had a, a group, uh, from the chief seats at the banquet uh, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, we all got our picture with Jack and, you know, spent some time with him and, uh, just super, super excited to have him back and involved. And I remember seeing Jack quite a, quite a lot, uh, during his, his time away uh, up there at football games at different events in Clemson. So he truly never left um, uh, or completely was gone. Um, and I was happy for that. Um, but, yeah, I think there was, there was a heartburn uh, from everyone on kind of how that went down. All right, I'll get back to the story here. Um talking about getting the getting it up to code it's all worth it though when the season starts and opposing right fielders become targets on this night casario provides a particularly easy bullseye he entered the game hitting 320 but this is not one of his better nights and the cheap seats guys know it they start by razzing him about the sunglasses atop his cap not necessarily tonight and the real fun starts when he tries climbing the wall Oh, I'm sorry, not necessary tonight. The, ne- the sunglasses weren't necessary because it was a night game. <laughs> sorry, got to get that right. And the real fun starts when he tries climbing the wall for a Wilson Boyd two-run homer that lands 20 feet above his head. You're going to need a rocket up your, it says butt, but you're going to need a rocket up your ass, Eden says. I don't know what you were thinking. That was 30 feet above you. When Casario grounds out to end the third with runners on base, Cheap Seats is ready. Rally, killer, <laughs> which will become a trademark as Casario trudges through a one for 14, five strikeout weekend. At least you still have those cool glasses stapled to your head, Eden says. <laughs> Casario ignores them, but his play shows he's rattled. His defensive misplay turns a routine single into a triple, and he even overthrows the Terps center fielder during routine. <laughs> Man, you got routine mid-inning warm-up tosses. Y'all were in his head, man. Yeah, it was a perfect, perfect weekend for us. (laughs) AJ, we're not even trying, Eden's yells. You're providing us with all the jokes. (laughs) Go ahead. I said that that was a fact. Uh, Everything went wrong for him that weekend. When it happens again a few innings later, the guys are ready again. Bad news bears, they chant. Bad news bears. Hey, AJ, somebody chants. We don't have two columns for errors on the scoreboard here. (laughs) Before long, even cheap seats. All right, I got to ask, though. I mean, all this good humor and it's, it's intelligent stuff. 
surely some drunk jokes have to bomb. What What do you do when somebody says something that's not funny? Do you like? Oh no! Oh no! No! I mean, that's what I'm saying. Nothing's off limits. <laughs> Nothing's off. Limits. We We will turn on our own very quickly. So, trust me, I am thinking well ahead before it comes out of my mouth. Uh, because I mean, if it's bad, oh. Even I mean, I remember the right fielder turning around, you know, talking trash. It wasn't AJ that day, but you know, they they, they will jump on us just as quick, and our own crowd will, you know, <laughs> give them a hard time. And uh, you know, one of the best was, um, you know, you'll hear us every so often uh, do survey says, and. Uh, that, that'll come from somebody that just fell on their face trying to insult them or getting the best is where you know you get so animated and you're just on them you're on a roll and uh, you're in this guy's head and like everybody kind of just just uh, shuts up and lets you go and it, and then all of a sudden you you can't even get it out your mouth and you're just like ah, 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 and then everybody <laughs> starts cracking on you. <laughs> Uh, it, it is a, a whole other element to the game. How do you walk the very fine line between, you know, gentle, well, not so gentle, but baseball razzing and, you know, too much? What's too much? Well, um, I'm not not going to say we, we haven't crossed that line, but we, we self-monitor pretty quick. Uh, and if it gets to that point, you know, we, we, we'll, we'll tell them, hey, shut up. You know, it's too much. got to quiet it down, clean it up. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's happened. Um, I mean, there's, there was a time uh, I know, and I know it's happened to a couple couple guys, but there was one, there was a Carolina game, and I forget the guy's name. He played outfield, and his brother, his brother played for us. And so I had just a whole list of things. And this was in warm-ups. And I got under him so bad, he was on the wall, climbing the fence, pointing at my face, just barking obscenities, and I'm right there back at it. And, uh, I mean, if there wasn't eight feet of fence, you know, remember the big gap they had between the fences? If there wasn't eight feet of fence between us, you know, it would have been a bad day probably for both of us. Um yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me, you know, how they have dogs just barking at each other with a glass door, and then you open the door and they just shut up. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it was it was ugly. And I remember John Sicetta. John Sicetta called me, and he's like, "Hey, you got to shut up." <laughs> I said, "Yes, sir." Point taken. And I mean, literally, this was forty five minutes before the game. Wow. Well, it, it's an accomplishment in two thousand twenty three. To keep, to keep it decent because there's so much indecent stuff out there from fans. Like if, at football games, I sit, the press box is right behind, or right above the student section. And my goodness, some of the stuff you hear there, some of the chants. Like I'm just like, people bring their kids to these games? <laughs> like I don't know if yeah. this is. Well, and I will be, uh, there, there are certain games that my kids do not go to. <laughs> baseball game? You mean in the cheap seats? Yes, baseball games. Uh, I just know, no, and, and you know, <clears throat> we gotta. And it's not that that's being yelled out publicly, but 
there's stuff stuff being uh, spoken loud that it is not a kid friendly environment on certain games, and I, we just know when when and where that will be. South Carolina, Florida State. That's one of them. Yep. Miami, maybe. Miami does get ugly. Uh, Louisville, Louisville, uh, we are we are just not fans of. And so, it, it, it. I remember having. Well, it wasn't me. Uh, I'm not gonna say who it was by name. They know who it is. Uh, but they were on the back row, and uh, they were barking too loud. <laughs> our uh, punk, our legal advisor, he 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 had to tell him, "Hey, shut up." All right, I'm gonna fast forward to, to the article, the end of the article. On nights like this, and many others, this realm is pure bliss. It's better than any sport, Punk Botterford said. It's a social occasion in a baseball game. You see people that you don't see except at baseball games all year. It's really nice, and I look forward to it. It's kind of difficult when it's over. It's kind of a letdown. I have to get into, well, first of all, I mean, you guys, y'all come from all different professions, walks of life. A, a friend of mine, Chris Knight, is a professional drummer. Um, all, you got the uh, the the legal counsel, as you said. What what all different? Can you off the top of your head recite all the <clears throat> oh, different gosh, backgrounds? Well, definitely Motley Crue stepchild. I thought I always said that's what we should rename the bus. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, who uh, uh, Patrick, Andy Patrick really said it best. Uh, yeah, we've got attorneys. We've got. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we got. We got doctors. Um, you know, contractors. Uh, Jimmy Kimball. Jimmy Kimball's a banker, right? Yes, Jimmy Kimball's banker. Um, we've got uh, good old, just good old country boys, and uh, Andy Patrick. You know, said we got hippies. I mean, it's it's almost you could write a song about it. Uh, uh, or whatever, you know, I love this bar song because you, we've got everything out there and we all get along like brothers and sisters do. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's a blast. All right. We got to get into the dynamic between the cheap seats and the Cajun cafe. People who are in either the cheap seats or the Cajun cafe sort of get a sense of it, but, people who aren't and who just sort of view it from a distance really have no clue and, and might even view you guys as one and the same when you're definitely not. I guess I'll give my take on it from having been, from having hung out in both areas and maybe the source of a bit of a tension and, and rivalry between the two. My sense is that the Cajun Cafe uh, has grown into more more of a social event where people go there so they can drink beer and eat good food and then maybe watch some baseball. You know, I don't know that that's totally fair because a lot of big time baseball yeah. fans are are very interested in the game from the Cajun Cafe. But the cheap seats, you guys are the purists. You know, you guys are the ones who know the the ERA of the of the number four pitcher uh, for the other team. You know, and you're watching every pitch. Yep. Is that yep. really 
the essence of it? Uh, for the most part, yes. I mean, you, you, you will see some fans down there watching the game very intently. And, and you know, then you'll have – uh, speaking of the Cajun Cafe and their seats, I mean they, they've got they've got those folks too. But you know, there's a there's a more of a social atmosphere uh, going on over there, um, and a corporate corporate social setting. Um, and yes, we're we're all about the game. Um, we we know more about the game than you know probably than some of our what we know their our kids are doing. Sad to say. Um, and, you know, that's what we're going to focus on. I mean, yeah, we may be having a social deal out there, but our eyes are looking forward at every pitch. Um, so, yeah, I would call it, you know, and there's not much of a risk anymore these days. We all get a, uh, get together at the SO Club with the, with the Cajun Cafe folks and uh, after the game. So, I mean, but, yeah, back back in the day, um, you know, we were we were – at least I felt we were we were looked upon as those idiots, uh, those young idiots just raising hell, um, and they didn't truly understand what we were about. And now some of them did because, really, the Cajun Cafe and they're the foundation of the Cajun Cafe and, and and our groups were right there together initially because I believe you know it was uh, Coleman and Truck. Uh, who was Tommy Bowden's assistant at the time. And they were the ones doing all the cooking. Um, and we would even go on road trips uh, with them. But this was this was right before the bus kind of came into play. Um, so, I mean, we all got along then. But then, yeah, they went to a whole different level, which, you know, we're, at co- we're all co- mostly college kids at that time. And all of their members are corporate donors, or uh, they're tied in, tied in with the athletic department, uh, football program. You know the the I guess the the Clemson athletic elite kind of, so to say. And so they didn't. You know, I'm 40 years old now. If if a bunch of young dumb kids. You know, set up next to me, I'm probably going to be like, good Lord, we got to deal with this. But, you know, in the setting out there, I, I wouldn't these days. But uh, it's, it, it's not an issue, really. I don't think it ever truly was. But, you know, we all poke, poke fun at each other uh, back during that time. And uh, I remember some that were a part of the Cajun Cafe that now hang out with us more up, up there on the on the bus and then there's some that sit over there in the Cajun Cafe that were with us too so it's it's back and forth a little bit what were those what were some of those tensions like how did they materialize what are what are some ways you can help describe just uh how maybe there were some so there was some well, back and forth at, at least on, on our end um We felt we got overlooked a little bit when we're out there uh, giving them a hard time. You know, on the radio, they'd always they'd always love to talk about Cajun Cafe and the food that they were bringing, and uh, <laughs> Cafe this, Cajun Cafe that, and, and uh, you know, Dan Scott when he was there, Dan Scott 
knew where his bread was buttered. And, <laughs> Literally. Yeah, we <laughs> we took care we took care of Dan Scott too though, and he gave it. I mean, he was he was shout out for both those. And then oh, uh, then then Don Don didn't give us much love, and uh, <laughs> so that's kind of I think the, the main riff that that got got in our side, which you know, Cajun Cafe guys didn't really care, you know. So this is all Don Munson's doing. Yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. <laughs> just to, yeah, just, just, people are gonna laugh when they hear, hear, hear that. <laughs> that. That's been said a couple times. So, just as an explainer to the listeners, when 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 he's talking about uh, them talking about the cafe on air, you know, Dan, you know, in the second or third inning, would say something. Dan Scott would say something like, "Uh." Something smelling really good out there in the Cajun Cafe. And then, you know, a couple innings later, they would deliver a plate, a big plate of food to him uh, so he could eat it during a, you know, between innings. And you guys would also take a plate to the radio booth. I did not, I never knew that. We did, we did from time to time. Yeah, we, we would try, we would try and still get in there to, to give them something depending on what we were, what we were doing, if we were even cooking that night. Yes. But it wasn't probably as of a regular occurrence like Cajun Cafe did. And it's interesting, I get also as an explainer, you mentioned truck, uh, Donald Hemel. That's right. Was, I remember. Yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was the director of football ops under Tommy Bowden, and that's the reason that it is called the Cajun Cafe is because Truck is from Louisiana. That's actually where he is is back now. And so I'm sure lots of folks are, okay, Clemson, Tigers, Cajun. What's the connection yeah. there? Yeah, nobody really knew that background. But I think you're right, like in, in, the, in terms of the, the difference between the two, I mean, they, they even call the Cajun Cafe, they call them sweets. So it's like a luxury box kind of equivalent um, for the, the donors who buy out, you know, big big sections of it and then bring their friends and all that. So it is definitely more of a more of a social event, uh, it seems, over there. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah, and I think we all... We we all know what who and what we are at this point, and we all get along just fine. So things got smoothed over. You said did that happen organically over the over time, or was there something specific that was there a uh, a summit meeting or something that that allowed no, things to be no, nothing like that. No, we we just got together enough at the SO Club, and it finally finally i think healed those scars no. <laughs> so they were real scars all from don no, munson i'm just i'm just poking fun <laughs> at it it's don munson's fault i never knew this now now that will that that will stick a little bit uh yeah we gave we gave and still do we'll, we'll give don munson a hard time over that just because he would exclusively mention the cafe and you guys were just didn't exist basically on the right. airwaves that's that's the way we felt. That may not be the fact, but that's the way we felt. <laughs> so, has he mentioned y'all recently, in recent years? Uh, well, I hate to say the radio went out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so now whether that cord got cut, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, we can't say either way. Oh, y'all don't listen anymore. 
No, not currently. We are we are in the process of trying to bring that back uh, um, with some new wiring. But yeah, um, our <clears throat> let's put it this way too: um, our legal uh, advisor was not the biggest fan of of hearing <laughs> the. So he got he got a little pull there but uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna push back a little bit this season i'm trying to get that back that is absolutely hilarious so it's kind of a political thing (laughs) 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 all right i gotta share you you were kind enough to solicit some anecdotes from uh from some cheap seats members through email and you forwarded uh, you forwarded some of them to me, so of course I have to start with the acquisition of the bus. It says, and this is from, I'm sorry, Frank. Frank Murphy. Frank Murphy. Okay, 2003, about three weeks before the season opened, we were in our apartment in D-Square, and Brian Griffiths was cruising the classifieds for interesting things. I assume classifieds in newspapers back then. Yep. Bus uh, the ad was bus four hundred dollars with spare engine. <laughs> wheels started. <laughs> wheels started spinning, and Dave, Will, Brian, myself, and whoever else was hanging, came up with what we made into a tailgating machine. Hell, we couldn't even put a deck on top of it and sit on top of it for baseball. We could even put a deck on top of it and sit on top of it for baseball. I think we went that afternoon to Lawrence, South Carolina. The bus was the old Lawrence Academy Activity Short Bus. Brian, Dave, and myself were considering were considered big donors and threw in $100, and a small collection was taken in the apartment for the remaining $100. Picked the bus up, thinking beyond the statute of limitation now. So we got to Lawrence. Spare motor was already in the back, and we may have used one of the plates off of one of our cars to go on the back of it. <laughs> 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 the bus ran well enough to get it back to the sale club. Of course, we drove all back roads and probably took three hours for a one-hour ride. Another collection was taken to buy house paint and lumber for the deck, making the official founding member group number was set to nine. Spent a week painting a building deck and parked out Wednesdays or earlier before opening weekend. Cheap Seats was themed after the Alabama song Cheap Seats. Figured we would need a legal driver at some point, so I applied. This is great. Mm-hmm. Frank applied for a job with the city of Clemson <laughs> to drive a cat bus. <laughs> they trained me for a CDL, and the rest was history. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Amazing. It's even better. I mean, just looking back at it, you're like, this is just hilarious how this came together. And then the trip, Frank recollection of the took the bus took the South Carolina game in 2003 the 63 to 17 game all back roads took four to five plus hours one keg of beer <laughs> and 13 quarts of oil <laughs> that's a true story were you, were you on the bus no no I, I actually drove down there I met up with him I did not ride the bus down I, I didn't I knew that was going to be a rough ride. Oh, ye of little faith. I remember pulling up in the Vista in Columbia in USC. I, I'm, I'm assuming this was late night. 
and USC fans didn't know what to do with themselves. Drunk USC fans often stopped and peed on the tires. <laughs> they didn't say much after that loss. We parked right behind the cockabooses for the game. Definitely was an attention getter. <laughs> we did paint the yellow line right past me on the floor, so we felt it was legal to drink. Ha ha. Wait, what? They paint a yellow line? Yeah, you remember they had, there was a yellow line, and you know, the bus drivers always had tell you stay behind the oh okay yeah yeah (laughs) not me of course also the fuel gauge didn't work so at some point on the trip in the middle of nowhere we ran out of gas brakes don't work when the engine is off because they're all (laughs) they're hydraulic not air we coasted down a big hill through a gas station and finally rested in front of a gas pump this is like a movie mainly just dumb luck we dodged a lot of things but didn't hit anything now that I think about it, I probably didn't have power steering either. <laughs> Owner came running out, an el- el- elderly man out in shock saying, no, no, we're closed. You can't be here. You can imagine what that looked like. I think he was in shock. He finally calmed down and turned the pumps on for us so that we would get out of his gas station. Definitely a butt pucker moment. <laughs> yeah, and if you uh, Dave Topham, uh, I, I, I forwarded some of Dave's comments. Uh, he he had the exact same story because he yeah he was one of the other original guys. Exact exact same thing. Yeah, that that is a true story. Uh, also, there are seats from the old Rosenblatt Stadium in Omaha that are still up there. Yeah, that was uh, Mark Rivera uh, made that. Made that happen when uh, when they started tearing down Omaha. He made sure to get some, and yes, they are still they are the first row seats that are mounted uh, on top of the platform currently. Wow! Is there anything I've missed that we we need to cover here? That's a lot uh, of history. I mean, there's a lot. Uh, there's there's yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're trying to keep it family friendly here. Well, that, yeah, that too. Um, yeah, the, the I'm trying to think the story. Um, the story uh, where uh, the, I think it was at the Davidson game. Yeah, Patrick Martin was talking about uh, the Davidson game. Uh, that was a highlight. Yeah, because that was if you remember uh, the YouTube video that took off where they uh, started doing, like, bowling with the players, and each team did a skit to compete during the rain delay. Yeah. Well, you know, um, the, same, the same game, there nobody else is in the stands. And there's, like, five people left on the bus, and it's pouring rain, and Punk uh, – is standing out there holding an umbrella over one of the guy's heads. Uh, he was an older gentleman, so he didn't want him to get soaking wet. And the EPI get came up and told Punk that there are no umbrellas allowed in the stadium. <laughs> and, and, I, and Punk came unglued on this poor fellow. And it, you know, it, and it is something that is highlighted, I would say, almost at least once a game to this day. You know how he just completely lost it, and you know so that that was a defining moment uh, for us. Um, 
pen I'm trying to think, you know. Oh, there's a good one. Um, another another uh, crazy time uh, from uh, Patrick Martin. This was during the game. Um 2013 or 14, uh, Doug Kingsmore, they were were building, I think, the new dugouts or uh, clubhouse area. So they didn't have bathrooms. So they brought in a bathroom trailer into the bullpen. And so they came out to start an inning, and nobody was really paying attention. But on the first pitch, uh, the batter had a check swing. And so the the uh, the umpire looks down at the first base umpire and did he go? And at that moment, the umpire who apparently failed to tell the home plate umpire he had to run to the bathroom comes busting out of the <laughs> porta pot and in cheap seats just lights up and goes, "Yes, he did." <laughs> And, uh, you know, so they got no call on it. And the guy, poor guy, is just embarrassed rolling out of the bathroom. And then we light the umpire up the rest of the game. Um, so that's, you know, one of the classic moments. And we got we got so many. I mean, it truly is. You could come up with some sort of crazy Animal House movie um, about everything that goes on out there and, and continues to go on. Um but it, it's something special, um, and it is. It's something therapeutic to to all of us, and uh, we're proud. We're all proud to to be a part of it, and and you know we still uh, still have folks. You know, I think our email list is up to 140 people. You know that have somewhat been in touch with the bus, uh, whether they're ticket members or just kind of were up there with us all the time. Um, that still interact with us. So, yeah, I've been working on our new 20th anniversary T-shirts um, that just have come out. We've already sold uh, 81 of them. Um, and I, I haven't even printed them yet. Uh, but, you know, we still have that big group that we're connected to. Uh, so, yeah, and just plug them. We got new hats coming out, too. Uh, you can keep uh, keep an eye out for that on our uh, Cheap Seats Facebook page. Um so, yeah, I, I wish I could remember all of it, but you know, I've had too many good times out there that I don't remember. <laughs> well, love the fact that this is going to be published on opening day of y'all's twentieth anniversary. What a cool story! What a what a cool history! And uh, I have every bit of confidence it's gonna it's gonna keep going another twenty years. So, I uh, really appreciate you joining us. And uh, might come pay y'all a visit sometime. Well, Larry, we'd love to have you up there. Come on just as soon as possible. Just let me know. And uh, you know, th- yeah, thank you. Um, it's been it's been an incredible twenty years, and we look forward to many more. And uh, all of our all of our members are just uh, ecstatic ecstatic to be a part of it. And uh, you know, we've all put in a lot of hard work, and uh, it truly has paid off. And you know, we appreciate Clemson and their their commitment to us, and uh, and uh, we'll keep working to you know push our guys as as hard as hard as we we possibly can. And you know, hopefully, uh, we're going to be looking to have a, another super regional uh, year, a regional and super regional year, year, hopefully, because there is no better baseball than regional baseball on the cheap seats.
Hope y'all are up to code when y'all uh, end up out there tomorrow. Best of luck. <laughs> well, I, I promise you, the first person there is going to be me and the fire marshal. <laughs> All the best to you. Have a good one, Larry. Thank you. Man, a truly special part of, uh, I would say, not just Clemson baseball, but, but the Clemson experience as a whole. Thanks to Garrett for sharing so much of his time with us to share that story. Also appreciate the support of our sponsors for helping make this happen. And then, of course, thanks to every one of you for putting the finger on that play button every week. Everybody have a great weekend. Cheers.